You're listening to Shared Sagas, an Australian RPG actual play podcast. This podcast features adult language and adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Greetings, and welcome to Shared Sagas. This will be the very first episode of both our new Dungeons & Dragons campaign and the first to feature on the podcast. So that's pretty exciting. So welcome. Uh, We will be doing our playthrough of Waterdeep Dragon Heist by Wizards of the Coast. It is an exceedingly fun, rollicking urban adventure set in the glorious crown of the north, Waterdeep, City of Splendors. My name is Tom. I will be your friendly DM for this adventure. Let's meet our awesome players and their equally awesome characters. Um, I'm Mark. <laughs> I'm playing Hurst, the half-orc druid. Uh, he's a bit of an urban druid. Uh, but at the moment, he basically just runs around and does odd jobs for a lot of different people, including some secret organizations. And sometimes batches the head in of people that he thinks need to not be there anymore. Cool. He's an urban druid. That's awesome. I love yeah. it. Please describe Hurst in some detail. What does he look like? So he he's sort of trending a bit more to the half orc. Uh, sorry, the orc side of half orc. Sure. So he's got like the 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 dark skin. He's got like the sort of lower square jaw. He's taller. Jowls. Yeah, jowls. Tends to wear like get around in just like pants, leather jacket. He's got his uh, like sword and shield on his back. Like he's not really charismatic in mechanical terms his charisma score is his lowest stat but he's also just very he's very blunt mm-hmm. I think as a person and just like he he doesn't lie he just refuses to answer questions that's fair that's cool and if outfitted for adventure which you are this evening yes. what, what would you be wearing like what armour do you sort of uh, probably leather armour that he's obtained from various places okay <laughs> so it's legally so it's sort of mismatched cool and what weapon does he wield uh, a scimitar Excellent. And you said? Hi, I'm Ben. I am playing Lyle Hedgehart. He is a trickster cleric of the goddess Timora. As a halfling, he presents himself as a short uh, individual, as of one of the stock. Uh, left foot halfling. Hair is a fiery uh, red, almost burning, um, almost burning rather. Oh, wow. Orange. That's cool. Let's see. Kitted for adventure, he's um, decked in uh, leather armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, has a, uh, he has a dagger. Uh, probably a collection thereof, mm-hmm. and it also appears to be festooned with a number of um, lucky uh, trinkets and medallions and all manner of things with which to protect against um, the various you know bad luck and curses and everything that seems to follow adventures of that type. Yes, and also your deity Timora, the goddess of good luck. Yes, which is wonderful. And you said uh, I am Nick. I am playing a character also called Nick. Just happened to fall out that way. Uh, Nicholas Locke. <laughs> At least it won't be confusing. So. No, no, I've never done this. It, we just came about this idea during character creation. It's actually the perfect name, so we just went with it. So Nick uh, calls himself Nicodemus okay. as a front for the business, one half of a pair of twins who run a criminal syndicate in the city. He is quite refined and presents himself as the legitimate face of the operation. Is a half-elf. Very much a young Lucius Malfoil slash Jason Isaacs, uh, complete with the long hair, pale skin, black hair tending towards the extreme. Dresses very well, so in late Renaissance style, has a waistcoat with a slightly puffy sleeves, a mm-hmm. couple of rings to ostentatiously display wealth as they often move within the aristocracy. As a charlatan, 
Okay. I wear leather armor underneath, so it's hidden, but it is there. And okay. The rapier at my hip, as is, you know, standard, and a crossbow slightly more concealed. As is the style. As of is time. the fashion of the time. <laughs> I have a slightly haughty manner, which is largely put on, given okay. that I was raised in the Cockney slums alongside my sister. Okay, that's cool. Okay, so I'm actually going to skip then to the other half of this twin duo. Uh, <laughs> so, my dear. My name is Nadia, and I am playing Jez Locke. Jez is a half-elf half elf rogue. She is the second half of the pair of twins. In terms of her demeanor, she is kind of suffers from short man syndrome in a lot of ways. She's <laughs> kind of a, she's a fighter. She's defensive. She's quick to um, insult and uh, bicker. But she is genuinely uh, trying to do good at the same time. Great. She wears kind of almost like a charcoal leather armor. So it's not completely black, but, you know, it has uh, the ability to kind of blend in with the shadows and um, uh, look fairly unobtrusive on the streets at the same time. Mm -hmm. As much as Nick is the face of the uh, organization, I am the person uh, in the background doing a lot of the not necessarily nastier things, but a, a lot of the more practical uh, requirements of of the job that we have yeah the the more thievery side of things well you can call it thievery i just call it you know redistributing wealth it's not thievery it's unlawful attainment Mm. get it right and where where does that wealth get uh, distributed to mostly us (laughs) my pockets like mostly evenly yeah, because if you put too much gold in one pocket, then you're kind of like walking Your funny. pants fall down. <laughs> I love it. I love everything about it. And Sam. Uh, hey, guys. I'm Sam. I play... Is it Shelley? Is it... Is, but how do you spell that? Izzy, for Izzy. short. Oh, Izzy. Okay. <laughs> yes. Who is a gnome wizard who has come to the city out of curiosity and also they've seen some stuff out on the road. So Izzy, Izzy is non-binary, has, yes. is genderless, fantastic. Yes. Do they fluctuate between um, uh, pronouns or is it just mostly they? They will give the answer that Izzy is Izzy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> fantastic. Like okay then. So let us begin our tale today. Apart from the PCs, there's one very important main character to this tale, and that is the city of Waterdeep itself. So, to give a really quick overview of the city, just for those listening and for those players here who aren't overly familiar with Forgotten Realms lore, it is known as the Crown of the North and the City of Splendors. It is perhaps the most influential city in the entire realms. It's situated on the Sword Coast in the northern reaches there of the Western Heartlands. It is home to well over 200,000 people in the city itself. It is huge. It is the metropolis, the New York, the London of Forgotten Realms. And there are many, many more people that live in the outlining environs as well. It is the primary city in the alliance of city-states called the Lord's Alliance that dominates trade in the Sword Coast region. A whole bunch of city-states there and they will have an alliance under the Lord's Alliance. It's definitely the the most powerful amongst those. It's notable for a few things. Uh, First of all, it is the location of Undermountain, the most famous dungeon in the entire Forgotten Realms. It lies deep below the city's streets. It's also known for its incredible deep water harbour, from which it gets its name, of course. Uh, and very, very few cities on the planet boast more trade and mercantile traffic. 
It's a very, very diverse cosmopolitan city. It's also known for its incredible sights, primarily the gargantuan and now thankfully inert walking statues of Waterdeep. They were originally built to defend the city in times of great need and used to reside secretly in the ethereal plane, not even being present on the material plane until they were called forth. Unfortunately, during the spell plague, they kind of ran amok. I was gonna say, and then they ran amok, yes. And they ran amok. Well, exactly so. Uh, So now they just stand as these inert cyclopean ornaments and uh, due to their great height uh, are actually really useful to help navigate the city just by using them as points of reference. Is that cyclopean in the Homer sense or cyclopean in the Lovecraft sense? Both. Yay! I mean, just big. They're big. They don't all have one eye. No, they don't all have one eye. In fact, they're they're not even all human. There's a griffin one. And there's one that's a Hawkman. Waterdeep is ruled by a very strange government, okay? So it is uh, ostensibly an oligarchy, but due to the large, the secret membership of the actual lords that rule the city, it's also a cryptocracy. There's a council of masked lords whose identities are unknown with the exception of one open lord. The one open lord formerly was Lord Dagult Neverember, who went on to rule Neverwinter to the north. (laughs) Now, it is ruled by Laurel Silverhand, who is an exceedingly powerful and benevolent human wizard who also happens to be a chosen of the goddess Mistra and is one of the Seven Sisters, for those familiar with Forgotten Realms lore. So mm. how does one get to be a uh, on the council? As far as the common people know, it is essentially chosen from the council, from the council themselves mm. or, or elected by, in, in typical sort of ancient Greek style, kind of elected by the other nobles and important people in the guilds of the city. Because Waterdeep really is run by its guilds as well. No lord or decision by the lords can really afford to go against the will of even one guild. Because effectively the guilds can just do a passive disruption and shut down an entire element of uh, the city's infrastructure if they disagree with a lord's decision. So most of a lord's work, or the, the council in general, is really just trying to keep the guilds all as happy as they possibly can be. So it's a very lawful and orderly- They're like the current government in the world. Frankly, yes. It's also a very lawful and orderly city, um, but it also boasts uh, both organized and disorganized crime, as nearly all cities do. In this case, as it relates to yourselves, or some of you at least, there are two primary criminal factions. There is the long-dominating Xanathar Guild, which it was the powerful and ruthless criminal organization that has ruled for the longest time. Rumored, for those that are in the criminal know, to be ruled by a being which is a beholder called the Xanathar. And there is a new upstart faction being the Zentarum, who are trying to muscle in on the criminal trade of the city. So far, to bloody effect. The current news of the day, in fact, is that there's something of an open gang war going on between these two criminal bodies. And as always, whenever this happens, it's the common folk that suffer the most. So crime, for the very first time in a long while in Waterdeep, is actually on the rise. And that's mostly the gossip of the day. Our tale today begins at the Yawning Portal. Uh, It's the most famous tavern in all of Waterdeep and possibly all of the Sword Coast, uh, due to the fact that it boasts the only openly known entrance to Undermountain, 
in the form of a huge well-like hole in the very center of the tavern common room. It is a terrible workplace health and safety hazard, as we've all, <laughs> yeah, we've all pointed out several times. How many glasses do they lose down there? Oh, s- glasses? How many staff? <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask that question. Okay, so... Surely you would just always employ Aracocra here. People definitely do accidentally fall into Undermountain. And, oh, there you go, you're in Undermountain. Although, due to the fact that the drop is close to 200 feet to the bottom. I mean... No one gets retrieved, really. (laughs) Very... Surely after a while, the drop would only be like 150 feet before you (laughs) land comfortably on a pile of bodies. Oh, no. There are things down below that remove the bodies for you. Yes, Sam. That's good service. Did I think it's bad for business if all like the really the, the really good customers, the ones that buy all the booze, fall into the hole? No, they're given potions of flight and they're allowed out of the tavern if they can pay their way out. So if you were Sweet. to if you were to fall down and survive uh-huh. and be able to call out dramatically to be hoisted up, you could be hoisted for up. For one gold piece. For one gold piece. I'm Two okay. gold pieces also went down the hole. Yes, exactly. Because it's one it's one I gold went down there under my own power. And that and the power of gravity. It is one gold piece per person to descend into Undermountain down this well and it is one gold piece to be brought back again and some people do in fact come back in fact some people come back regularly the owner of the tavern is a man named Duran. he is a retired former adventurer who is well known well acclaimed and he's you know polite if a little bit gruff he oversees the tavern, keeps order, all that kind of thing. For those that are friends with uh, Duran, you know that he also employs a couple of bouncers who basically just dress like common folk or mercenaries. And normally there's three or four in the tavern just to keep order and, you know, corrals in the corner and make sure that there's not too much trouble. But generally speaking, apart from the odd brawl here and there, there is not a lot of really great trouble that happens. Unless, of course, some monster happens to climb out of the hole in the middle of the floor, which on occasion does in fact happen. Your characters are all regulars the yawning portal and each of you are going to be have already looked over the beautiful handout that comes with the book uh, to choose the regular faces of the tavern and decide which one you are friends with so can I just get that first from everyone so Nadia who is Jez friends with uh, Jez and Nick are actually friends with Yagra Stonefist, who's uh, yes. a half-orc mercenary. Yes, a mercenary that works for the Zentarum, but the more benevolent faction of the Zentarum mm. that actually wants to go mostly into sort of private security legitimate business. So due to some family associations, we grew up mostly alongside Yagra until um, we were about 14 or so when um, Nick left to go and play with his rich people and in addition to that i also had a contact with i believe it was three strings yes the human bar um as a a, a contact into the harpers yes iagra acts as a long suffering counterpoint between the two of us having known us pretty much our whole lives whenever we have bickering with each other we go well we'll see what iagra thinks then she'll stand (laughs) in the middle sometimes yeah quite literally and so three strings is the bard that tends to play most often sort of the house bard i guess uh and uh he is actually secretly a member of the harpers as is both jez nick and izzy so yes. that's uh, that's the friend that you have mostly there, I believe, uh, Izzy. Yes. And uh, if I can ask Lyle, who is your friend? Uh, mine is uh, uh, Dernan himself, the proprietor. Dernan the proprietor. An excellent choice, really. Good to be friends with the owner. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. by that. Fantastic. So you've proven just to be, you know, well, well-behaved and lucky, perhaps? Who knows? I think lucky is pretty much the short of it. Uh, the number of times where um, other bigger... Uh, adventurers or the like have decided to see um, a halfling as an easy mark. Yes. It's good to have um, a 
protection from uh, someone in a position of authority. And any adventurer that has lasted as long as him and managed to retire in one piece has a lot to thank the goddess of luck for. Mm. So they are, mm. he, he would have nothing but respect for your clergy. So, and finally, of course, uh, Hurst. Uh, who, who is Hurst's friend? Uh, Hurst is chatting with Bonnie. Bonnie, okay. uh, Yeah, they bonded because she has in her, where she stays, some uh, plants just to brighten up the place. Mm-hmm. And he's helped her on occasion with um, helping them not die. Uh-huh. Because she obviously, I mean, I imagine that she gets a decent amount of pay. Like, this is a fairly popular tavern. Mm. But they don't necessarily always get the care and the light that they need. No, I mean, so, Darren yeah. certainly takes care of his uh, of his staff, and mm. Bonnie is the main the main barmaid. There's a, there is a, there is a couple. There's a pair of chefs that make some really excellent pub food. But as we begin our tale today, you have come together some nights ago at this very tavern to decide to become an adventuring party. So so far, you've actually struggled to get your first notable big job. It's very important, a big break, if you will. Uh, you know, any uh, quest, a bounty, a task that will test your skills. Most importantly, cement your initial reputation as adventurers. The first job of an adventuring party is likely, is very much like a first impression. You only get to make one. So, it was with great delight that today you learned through your friends at the Yawning Portal and other contacts that one of the most famous authors, travelers, and celebrities in all of Faerun, Volothamp Gadam was looking for a group of discreet and as yet unknown adventurers to solve an urgent dilemma. And you were recommended by your friends at the tavern. Yes. And so, it is with great excitement that you learnt of this and you were each informed that you were to meet with him at the Yawning Portal tonight to hear his offer of employment. An offer you dare not refuse. And that is exactly where we open our scene. So, the Yawning Portal is packed tonight. Oh, by the way, Mm. this adventure takes place in the first week of spring. Mm. It is uh, warm and very windy outside, and it occasionally has fog in the morning and in the evening. In fact, it is the 11th of chess, and it is a time in the city of great festivals and parties and so forth, so it's actually quite a happy time. Uh, Summer is probably the most busy time of year, but spring is definitely the place for parades and all other fantastic fare like that. So the sights of the city are heightened in spring to a quite alarming degree. The tavern itself is packed. There's quite a few people in here. Although it's early evening at this stage, uh, sunset was not, not more than an hour or so ago. There is the lovely smell of tobacco smoke and the clanking of ales, tankards together, the the friendly murmurs and the excited whispers because tonight there is an event of some importance. An adventuring group are going to be descending into Undermountain, which doesn't happen as often as you might think. It doesn't even happen every couple of weeks or even every month, but it is happening this evening. And so people are watching with uh, tense anticipation. How often, like, obviously this doesn't happen, you know, on a regular basis, but how often do the groups that do this come back? Less often and then they go down. Yeah. But it still happens. Uh, some adventurers uh, essentially will just go in and out and, you know, essentially stage an entire expedition to Undermountain and come, come in and out very regularly. All the regulars are there. You can see three strings. There was a human bard wearing a simple green tunic and, and purple cloak. He is a handsome man in his late 20s or so. He's got sort of curly, sandy, blonde hair and sits there with his three-stringed lute. If I could just get some quiet, um, I, I, I understood that there was a recommendation for the three songs of summer. 
Uh, but uh, I feel that it, it's, it's spring. <laughs> uh, uh, th- thank you. Yes. Um, uh, uh, so I, I shall be beginning with the second song of summer, as the first one uh, has some difficulty with my instrument. Get a new instrument, you pansy! <laughs> Look, listen. I, I, I just I feel that maybe if we could just bring the noise down a little bit while I tune my play the wonderful wall by the Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Start singing and shut up! So the crowd, the, the crowd is jeering, and they say awkwardly. Then he begins to strum and plays, obviously rather well. He's not even really paying attention. He's just he, he has a, a nice crisp voice that rings out, and soon people are placated and go back to watching excitedly as the three adventurers are all getting ready to uh, descend into the tavern. So as mentioned, the tavern itself is large and has all the tables as evidenced on the map. Map there, there are three bar staff, and it, uh, there's Bonnie and there's two other young handsome lads who are running around, you know, giving out tankards and food uh, for the greedy customers. Durin is sitting there getting ready the winch that is going to lower the people into the into the <laughs> hole. So to explain how it works, there's effectively a well-like uh, contraption with a winch and a rope mm-hmm. that is secured next to the bar that he, you know, cranks and lowers people down into. So the particular adventurers that are going to be descending into this evening are the Merry Marauders, and you hate them. They're really annoying. <laughs> Do they have so a pair very. of identical twin rogues? They don't have them so much. Oh no! So there we're is... the Merry Marauders. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> so they they are ruled by a female halfling paladin, quote unquote, <laughs> who you have it on good authority is actually in fact a fallen paladin or a black guard. She's a nasty piece of work. Can't trust the oath breakers. Her name is Thernie's Home Forger, and uh, so she is a. Well, I mean, for a halfling, she's tall, broad-shouldered, outfitted in dark black sort of plate armor. But she has the symbol of Kelmvord, which is the god of the dead, mm-hmm. on, on, emblazoned upon her uh, her chest plate. But you know for a fact that is not who she worships. She has got short, close-cropped black hair and steely gray eyes and dusky skin. And she stands on the edge of the hole, I guess. <laughs> it's really, really the best way to describe it. Uh, while she is getting uh, secured in the small box-like contraption that will lower them in. In fact, it's a big broad bucket yeah. and so the other two there's Jarman Tranith who is a male human uh, wizard who is just the most elitist well actually uh, oh. academic wizard you've ever met in your entire life <laughs> he is insufferable um, he is uh, Tetherian which in Forgotten Realms is sort of the uh, equivalent ethnicity of Hispanic and wears just a really really fancy red robe and actually has actually has a pointy wizard's hat does he insist upon himself oh he insists upon himself if you looked up wizard the the front cover of Wizard Weekly you would see this idiot's outfit so he stands there (laughs) and you know that he has a staff with a huge eagle's claw on the top of it of course an orb clutching an orb and you know for a fact that it does nothing and his spell focus uh, is actually a wand that he has at his pretty clever but he need oh well I think it's that like he wants to let everyone know that he's a very important wizard Mm. yes then there's also Reyna Stalking Wolf not her real name she changed uh, it to sound more ruthless. Uh, and she's a female... <laughs> uh, so she is a female dwarf fighter. And she just sits there with her shield and battle axe. And she, um, okay, she's good. a dark-skinned gold dwarf. And she sits there looking at uh, 
all of you across there, um, her armor is immaculately polished. Uh -huh. It's uh, very, very nice. And she probably is the most uh, likable out of all three of them, only in the sense that you don't openly hate her. You just kind of <laughs> wish that she had better company. Yeah. Um, but wish her no specific harm. Up to you as to whether you, how much you judge someone by the company they keep. So they currently are all getting affixed into the into the actual, getting settled and uh, comfy, getting into the barrel as, as uh, Durin is on, on the side, looking with a, honestly, a rather detached and bored expression. He's waiting for them to get on with it. Oftentimes people will give some sort of a speech before being descended. All five of you mm -hmm. are probably sitting at the same table because you were told to come together to await uh, Voluthamp to give you the job and so basically it's just the five of you in a corner table you know you're going to potentially be talking about secret business so as much as you want to see this uh, proceeding take place you will be probably I don't want to be confused with the notion that we're fans and endorse of this thing absolutely not yeah. no so, in fact, you can have a private room there if you like. Off in the corner, there is a red curtain that kind of partially separates the room you're in right now. So you can see three strings, of course. Your friend is playing there. Durin is sitting there next to the winch. Yagra Stonefist is drinking by herself and engaging in an argument with... Uh, a group of people who you know for a fact happen to be from the Xanathar Guild. So they are ruffians and they are all sort of staring at her basically. Uh, one of them in particular is a bald man that has uh, tattoos of eyes on his head, denoting him as a very sound member of the Xanathar Guild. And lending credence to the theory that is in fact a beholder who runs it. In indeed so. Distinctive and imagery. So right now, she being a member of the Xantarum they being members of the Xanathar Guild, they're engaging in what can only be described as um, unfriendly banter that is getting more and more unfriendly as it goes on. But, uh, you know, Yagra, and she's not likely to start trouble. The... Can, 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 do we know if she... I mean, she's pretty confident. She can handle herself. She can handle herself, yeah. You, you are certainly not worried about her. No, that's what I was going to say. Potentially, exactly right. So, the, the Merry Marauders all sit there on the barrel, and uh, before... The, before so Durant looks at them, actually shrugs his shoulders as if, as if to say, are you ready? Can you give me this thing to blow you down? Get on with it. Get on with it. I've got drinks to serve, etc. Uh, Thernie's home forger, the female halfling, holds, holds forth her sword and says, Friends, adoring fans, mm -hmm. those that worship the very ground that we walk on, <sighs> those that wish that they were us. What's the range on Unseen Servant? <laughs> <laughs> should be in your, um, should be in your list there. I'm going to say it's probably within range, right? It can't Enough. be more than 40 feet or 50 feet or so. I use Unseen Servant to kick the winch. <laughs> you can... <laughs> So the winch, the, the winch stumbles a little bit before Dora manages, manages to, uh, to to get hold of it. The, yeah. It lurches. And she says, People that wish they could share in even a smallest fraction of the majesty that we live with every living day. It's like, oh my gosh. So the crowd starts murmuring to you. Every single day. We're okay. We're okay. I have definitely paid like a couple of, you know, like urchins in here to yeah. just, you know, throw stuff at them. Oh, no, oh, no. An egg hits from the, in that case, an egg uh, hits Yes, an egg, hits. precisely. Uh, it's like, ha, she, she brushes it off and stares. Uh, you know, angrily at the crowd who now go a little bit silent. Know that for all the beasts that I slay down there, I'll be thinking of each of you. Lower the winch! Oh. <laughs> Darren just gives like a sigh, just lowers, 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 lowers. And it, it goes down, of course, for a good, you know, 180 feet or so. Well, and they're then, dead. <laughs> and then eventually, of no course. I don't wish anyone particular harm. 
I wish them a very specific I and particular hunt. I wouldn't be very sad if they didn't come back, though. Nope. Do you honestly think that the Undermountain is going to be any more tolerant of them? Oh, I don't think they'll go very far in the Undermountain. This is probably just some stunt. Camp out for a couple of nights where people can't see them, come back, telling great stories of narrow escapes from shapeless monsters and turn that into adventuring contracts guarding caravans that never get robbed and well, let's you know, retire on the profits. Let's hope they remember to dent and scuff the armor this time. Mm. Uh-huh. On the upshot, if they do come back, we can just roll them for whatever they found down there. Don't rhymes with the word I'd use to describe them. That's really great. I love that. Okay. So you sit there waiting and tapping your feet in nervous anticipation. Uh, How much are you eating and drinking, by the way? Are you uh, loading up or are you uh, suspecting that you might have to adventure out this evening and are keeping yourselves relatively sober? I've certainly uh, ordered uh, a bit, but for anyone paying attention, there'll be uh, pockets and pouches that are stuffed with um, like peels of bread and um, lines of bacon and the like. Likewise, I make conspicuous my consumption of alcohol but it's all in fact very watered down mm-hmm. okay <laughs> fantastic so you sit there and you slowly wait out the evening a couple of minutes go by a few minutes go by at that point the argument between Yagra and the Xanathar thugs seems to die down for a split second but then just like somebody throwing a match on a barrel of lantern oil one of the thugs the one that seems to be the leader a tall broad shouldered shaved head fellow is he the eye guy or is yes, this different the, the, eye, eye guy. the eye guy you notice that a couple of the other ones have got eye tattoos in certain places like on their hands mm. or one of them has it on his, just on the side of his neck mm. but no he just absolutely loses his temper and then just actually sucker punches Yagra just smashes her over the back of the head with a mug of ale saying like you pig you like killing my mates do you and of course, Pig is a terrible racial slur for an orc. She reacts appropriately, turning around, punches him in the stomach so hard that he doubles over and then they go to crash tackle down to the ground and soon she is just on top of him, uh, essentially ground and pounding him MMA style. This is all well and good and she seems to have things in hand, but you notice to your dismay mm. that the other four thugs around him, his friends, are looking like they are about ready to intercede. In fact, one of them goes to pick up a chair to essentially crash over the back of her, well, over the back of her head. What do you do? Do any of you intercede? Or do you, or do you let this play out? Yeah, uh, Hurst will get up and just sort of like grab the chair and just be like, don't. All right. So everyone's going to roll me initiative, please. Okay. Initiative, Nadia. 16. And Mark. 13. And Ben. 4. Nick. 23. Jesus. Oh, wow. I rolled 18. Sam. 3. Your initiative is plus 5. It's, it's uh, plus dex plus um, no proficiency. No proficiency. Oh, sorry, Tom. Just Take dex. two off that. Just dex. Okay, so all of a sudden there is a large brawl. A couple of people nearby start to you know, form a crowd to surround, and there's a now a, a tightly packed scrum of onlookers that are unfortunately somewhat blocking your access to engage in this melee. You don't think that anybody else is going to be helping Yagra because mm. while you are friends with her, she's not terribly well liked. Uh, mm. Not just because she's a half orc, but because she's known to be a member of the Zentarum, which, although she's part of the less terrible faction is still, you know, not well loved, particularly right now when the violence between them is causing so much blood in the streets. So, first up is Nick. What do you do? I, well, she's a child of offense, so I will shoot the nearest thug through his knee with my crossbow. Wow, Which okay. is absolutely underneath the table, 
on my knee. Okay, so you can do that. Mm. Just bear in mind that barb rolls are all very well and good and not necessarily frowned upon, but using weapons indoors is something that the owner won't tolerate very well. If mm. you wanted to do some kind of a range attack, you certainly could, but we're probably looking at more of a barb roll situation, like throwing a bottle at his head. Mm. Yes, I was going to say, if it was anyone else, I probably would do that, but I mean, on the other hand, I'm just thinking childhood friend. Okay, I will be slightly more circumspect. So I will, still remaining seated, yes, I'll throw, I'll just use a fork instead. <laughs> a fork, okay. Yep. You know what? That's, that works. That's a, that's a good, that's a good compliment. That's sort of an airing accuracy. I just, yeah. But this time I'll aim for his face. You know, he's getting in the cheek or something nasty. Go for it. All right. Make an attack. Uh, so holding forth a fork dramatically. <laughs> like, what's that guy from Mystery Men? Uh, uh, the Blue Raja. The Blue Raja. The Blue Raja style. You hurl a fork at him. 14. That will hit. Roll damage. What is the damage of uh, fork? I'm going to say just a, D, a D4. Like, all, all improvised bar things are just going to be like a D4 of damage. Four plus my dex of three is seven. Seven fork damage. Okay, so the fork whistles across and just sticks right in his knee. He yells out in pain. Um, he's he's just got essentially dark purple, which seems to be the colour scheme of their particular gang clothing on and doesn't have any armour, so it sticks right in his knees. Like, the next one's coming from my crossbow. Nadia. Having a look around with what I have available to me, I'm going to be basically just looking to, I think, flip a table and just try to knock a couple of people prone. Okay, so sort of a manoeuvre on one of yeah. the thugs, basically to try and sort of knock him prone type thing. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I'll allow Create that. Create a bit of a barrier between us yeah, as well. Sure, so you won't do any damage, but if mm-hmm. you... So effectively this will be like a grapple manoeuvre, right? Yeah. So you'll be flipping and using the table, essentially. Now, I like I like that. I think it's cool, and you'll be uh, catching him largely by surprise from leaping out of the crowd, so I'll give you advantage on the roll. Uh, but you're going to be... for this? Or? No, so I, you're going to have to be using athletics, though. Athletics. So this will be a strength-based thing. Not my strongest so not your, one, but... Not your forte, but you will have advantage. I rolled a natural 20. So okay. I'm not going to re-roll that one. Absolutely not. Okay, so because you got a 20, I'm going to say that you can actually do damage as well. So oh. first of all, you crash him with a, the, the fury of an orphan. You surge forward and smash him down to the ground under with a table. the fury of an, an orphan. orphan. <laughs> the fury and enthusiasm of an angry orphan. You smash him down to the ground under the table and there's a... a, a, a Fuck you, Dad! There's a noticeable... Oof, <laughs> As all the wind is knocked out of him, and roll him d8 damage and add your cool. strength. So, uh, that is four damage. Okay. Now, just to clarify, was that the same one that Nick had hit with the fork? I was, like, looking at either this guy or this guy. That's so the guy I hit. Yeah, so the same guy as fork guy. Great. So he is unconscious. As you crash down to the ground, the table, the table smashes dramatically the red-bearded dwarf who was eating off that table and had his dinner go flying into the hole uh, which is essentially a plate of steak and eggs uh, just yells yells in anger and looks to you with a really angry expression if you notice the position of this guy standing right next to the hole and the angle that Nadia must have brought him (laughs) there's a very good chance he's going down that hole true but I mean we don't kill people we we, we might not for a barb roll we'll see we'll see how it goes we'll see see where the evening takes us that is then their turn so realising that there are now newcomers to the fray the three remaining thugs sorry pardon me the two remaining thugs that are not uh, the one that is getting beaten down by Yagra and the one that is now unconscious under the table are both going to surge forward and try to attack uh, Nadia because you're up front so if I can ask Jez what is your armor class my AC is 14 okay they surge forward at this point they are only using their fists and so they try to take a swing at you while the other one tries to grab you around the midsection both fail miserably luckily for you uh, you 
duck easily under the swinging haymaker of one of them. The other one tries to grab you, but actually ends up surging forward and almost falling into the damn well and then looks in, in terror as he realizes that this almost occurred. That is then going to be uh, Ben's turn. Uh, at the moment, I am playing things very quietly. Mm-hmm. Not especially eager to throw myself into this tussle, but I am. That is fair. But I am inclined to help people. Let's see. You've already acted, haven't you? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. In which case, I am going to um, give a quick row of a, uh, of a lucky charm and yep. then slap Hurst on the back, giving him guidance, which will allow him to add a d4 and add the number to one ability check of his choice. Fantastic. That's awesome. And of course, if you do an ability check. Well, if you're doing some kind of a combat maneuver using acrobatics or athletics, that'd be... Yeah, acrobatics. That's Hurst. <laughs> anyway, so that's really cool. So you yep. you bolster your friend with your yep. magical luck. And I go, and go get him. Go get him. <laughs> and speaking of which, it is now... Uh, which? Go get him, Tiger. It is now... Yeah, tiger, yeah. Master. And you can... Yeah, you can use that before or after. Um, I might actually add the d4 to an intimidation check. Okay, so you, again, you can use it before or after. Oh, I see. Yeah, so yes. do the first. Oh. So you're going to stand forward and try to intimidate. I'm going to stand between everyone mm-hmm. and then say, everyone basically shout out, everyone back down or I'm throwing you in the hole. <laughs> okay, sounds good. I like it. I do have thunder waves, so I could actually knock them all in the hole. Oh. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. Do it, do it. Of, uh, that one might actually, technically no. be considered murder and also very destructive. I'd also point out, I don't know when the next rest is coming. Oh, no. Oi, oi, oi. That four's not going to do anything. No. Even if I add a d4 to it. Yeah. Now, I'm going to give you advantage to say this to the okay. one that is next to the well, but only him. Yeah. So this is for the group, yeah. but you may re-roll for that guy because yeah. he's looking at the hole that he almost fell into and is yeah. not happy. And it's, that he's, was low. He's feeling the hole, right? <laughs> Um, how long do I have this bonus? It's like a, it's like a trip to Adelaide. A minute? Alright, so I'll save it for the next round because 16 will probably do it. Oh, most certainly. In fact, he looks down into the hole and looks up and then just screams and runs the door. looked back. He just is, is just going to start to scream and run his turn. We are now on to Sam. Excellent. I am going to... Actually, I've, I've ducked under the table while this is happening. Sure. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually smack the ground and cast Mold Earth. If if the dirt or stone you target is on the ground, you cause it to become difficult terrain. Oh, Alternatively, nice. you can cause the ground to become normal terrain if it is already difficult terrain. Yes, magical. But I'm going to make it difficult terrain. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yes. And what, what is the area of this? Uh, it is a five-foot cube of dirt or stone. So underneath someone? Yes. So pick a pick one of the thugs, and he is now um, standing on difficult terrain. Mm, that one, the middle one here. The one in the middle. Fantastic. Yes. The one that is not going to be screaming and running away. Yep. Fantastic work. And so I cause like a cube of a cube of this for the floor beneath him to just wobble. <laughs> Great. Now that's awesome. Nick, t- round two, your turn. I will stand up and with my crossbow leveled at them, I will enti- try to make an intimidate check, backing on from hers, no, okay. wrong character, Hurst's uh, intimidate check to try and, you know, convince them to end this. Yeah, uh, I will absolutely. say, with my crossbow leveled across my arm like this, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. your broken friend has the right idea. Um, unless you submit now, I will shoot your kneecaps out, and then my orcish friend will throw you down the hole for the monsters to finish off. <laughs> Meanwhile, Yagra is still on top of hers, just yeah. bang, bang, bang. Great, so make a make an intimidate check. The circumstances have shifted, so the DC for this will not be high. Okay. But the, I mean, no particular advantage, just the, no, DC, okay. the DC will be... 14 plus my score of 5 for intimidation is a 21. 
Fantastic, okay. So, Yagra goes to sort of like stop beating on the leader. You definitely think you've gotten through to the thugs and nothing more will be happening in their turn. They seem to back off a little bit. One of them is the one that ran forward to try to punch Nadia in the head is still standing next to her, wondering if he can get one more shot in before he has to turn and leave. But it looks like you might have done the job here. Then we're gonna go to Nadia's turn. Okay, I feel like I want to try to shut this down as quickly as possible. And people are already kind of on the edge of yeah. working out whether, whether or not they want to pursue it this looks like it's line a... of punching inquiry. Yeah, so <laughs> That's great, this line of punching inquiry. So basically, uh, in terms of social, I'm just going to go for my intimidation. So what I'm going to do is, are there any kind of like uh, lighting pieces from the ceiling, chandeliers or anything like yes, that? Yes, in fact, uh, the winch that lowers people into the well mm-hmm. uh, feeds through just above an enormous chandelier that uh, rests in the, on, on the ceiling. It's just a typical iron one, etc. Well, I'll tell you what I want to do to get people's attention, and I have to do this quite often as not being the, the tallest person in the world, mm-hmm. is she kind of like hops up onto a, a table and then hops up onto the winch and then up to the lighting piece and then just yells, Oi! <laughs> So you want to scramble up the rope, maybe, yeah. onto the chandelier? Yeah. Okay, give me a give me an uh, acrobatic check. Let's see actually. if I can do this. You can tightrope walk up there if you. Uh, it is your full turn, mm-hmm. but you run up to the top, basically, and get right to the top of the chandelier and command attention with it. Oi! And then Nadia, you see it before anyone else does. Oh no! As emerging oh, no. from the well, the true fear that struck the one cultist who was peering down becomes readily apparent. Lurching out of the middle of the hole, you can see one huge, green, bloated, warty hand with long claws wearing a torn and blood-soaked red wizard's hat. An enormous troll, a gargantuan beast, a big example even for its kind. As it pulls itself out of the well, you can see that it has, wielding in its right hand, the the crumpled and crunched remains of the black guard's uh, uh, sword in its hand, which has been, which is essentially stuck through its hand, which is now regenerating. It healed over. And it has the the torn, blood-soaked yep. wizard's hat just on its head in a mocking fashion. It also has a plate of steak and eggs splattered all over its chest yep. as it slowly pulls its huge, bulbous, green, bloated limbs to uh, surge forward. Yes. Uh, just, just uh, you know, for a moment she just kind of stops and stutters and she says, Ah, that- Fuck troll! <laughs> a couple of people in the crowd who have not yet seen the monster just go, Yeah, you fucking trolls, you are! No shit, an actual troll! What yeah, the fuck? You're an actual troll! Good, that's exactly what they are! I'm of two um, minds about this. On the one hand, it's clearly eaten those jackasses. On the other hand, it now wants to eat us. I'd consider this a mixed results scenario. Uh, it is now the enemy's turn. True, true to what you were thinking, the thugs actually do go to back off, including the... The ringleader. Eye guy. Eye guy, we'll call him. Uh, gets up from under Yagra's pummeling fists. Uh, she does let him go, and they all scramble towards the door. So the troll itself, unfortunately, it is not even just a troll. Because you can see that hanging, suckled onto its form, Jesus. drinking his blood, you can see these bloated, four-winged proboscis having entities which you are experienced enough to know are sturges uh, these blood sucking parasitic monsters that are only the size of ravens but they can be uh, potentially troublesome yes. now 
There is six of them, but luckily three of them are stuck and bloated and languid as it as they have obviously sated themselves from sucking off this uh, regenerative creature's blood. So and they're in the hole sucking off a troll. Exactly so. I didn't even know where to start with this. <laughs> <laughs> However, the other three go nuts and fly up into the into the scaffolding. Uh, unfortunately, actually quite near where, uh, where Nadia is going. Uh, <laughs> and you standing right at the top there, yelling out at the top, the top of your voice, Jess, are probably going to be a prime target for at least one of them. In their turn... The troll has to spend its entire turn leaping up into the tavern itself and scrambling out of the well. The three Sturges, however, are going to go for random people. So, Yagra Stonefist is the lucky recipient of one of them. Another one flap, 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 flaps its wings as it soars upwards. And it's got a, sort of a, 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 a brownish bloated form with a long mosquito-like proboscis and four flappy... Mm-hmm. What look what looks to be impractically small wings for its size shoots up to try to attack you, Nadia. Nadia, what is your armor class again? Sorry. Uh, fourteen. Mm. Fourteen. I feel like this whole foe may be a little bit beyond this. You think? A troll? Yeah. Oh, a troll is one hundred percent going to kill each and every one of you if you fight that. Just to lay that yes, I thought so. right out there. Mm. Luckily, this would certainly constitute a threat uh, worthy enough for Dern to intercede, as he often does whenever something like this occurs. Uh, how, wait, how often does something like this occur? Oh, every once in a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, he's living on the helm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. He, he knew what he was getting himself in for. The Sturge soars up and tries to stab you with its proboscis as you sit there perilously on the edge of the chandelier. Luckily it misses, barely. And the other one is going to go for Yagra. Uh, hits Yagra and is going to drain her for a small amount of damage. Uh, she looks like weak as it sits there. That's good. If it's draining her of her damage then that Just, would be healing uh, her. Okay. It sucks blood from the back of her neck and she starts to stagger and lope around and look really uh, wonky and woozy and uneven. And then the other one is going to go for Mark. Flapping towards you, it lashes out with its proboscis and manages to miss pretty hardly, actually, unless your armor class is uh, 12 or lower. Nope, it is 15. Great. Well, it misses you as well. You, you just back <laughs> off. You just kind of move yourself, maneuver yourself out of the way. They're still adjusting to being up here. They're probably startled by the crowd around them right now. So there's a troll in the hole and the stages are searching. Yagra is yeah. staggered. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, in Duran's turn, Duran is going to shout a word of command and the magical greatsword that he has behind the bar basically just manifests in his hand in a surge of blue light. Sick. As he rushes forward, he can't uh, move and attack the troll. He has to move from the winch, but he gets right up next to the troll and just bellows in its face. All right then, you scaly, bloated bastard, come at me! And so he just gets right up in there to hopefully draw the attention of the troll. That is then going to be Ben's turn. All right. Thievery people, you need advantage for stealth sneak attacks? Yes. I believe Dern is uh, technically already providing that, right? If an enemy is engaged with another enemy, do we get advantage? Is that a rule these days? No, no, no. You don't get advantage, but you get your sneak attack. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? At this point, I am going to... I think I'm going to have to ready an action to see how this plays out. Okay. okay. In the midst of that. Uh, no, just... How, where, sorry. Sure? Can I ask really quickly? Yes. The um, the winch th- uh, device thing. Yes. How far over does it come and... Can you give me a little bit of information? But I feel like it's relevant for everybody. So it is next to the bar, which is about 20 feet right. from the edge of the hole. Uh, sources of fire in this instance, and yes, also how well do we know trolls? You know, you know the basics. So you do. This you one do, we just met. <laughs> you, His name is George. <laughs> you do know that trolls are vulnerable to fire. Yeah, troll do you know? fire. Okay. Yeah. So 
Next question. Yes. Uh, sources of fire that are near the hole or near the troll. Oh, great. So there's a fireplace there with many glowing yep. embers and logs. There are Sweet. torches. Yeah. There, are, there are lanterns on the wall, yep. which you can open and take a candle from, or just yep. hurl the actual lantern itself. Yep. Many, many of those. Of fire. All right. So fireplaces. What try and the fireplace is probably a little too far. But if there are like lanterns or sconces about in proximity to this, definitely, which I imagine they have to be. Yep. All right. I will use thaumaturgy in that case to cause the flames to flicker and brighten Ooh. in the proximity of the troll, hopefully causing it to be at the very least a little bit distracted for what's about to happen next. That's awesome. I love it. So that so that that works exactly. So um, I'll use that like a essentially a creative magical use of the assisting another thing. Yeah. The fire flashes as it's still growing accustomed to the light and looking yeah, around yeah. with its beady eyes the first thing it looks at is, is the torch on the wall which as you see its gaze meet it you just flare it up and it yep. recoils in uh, startling fear mm-hmm. uh, perfect so Sam yes so I would like to um, so I pop out from under the table and as the troll kind of recoils a little bit from the from the flame exploding on the wall mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to follow that up with a witch bolt to the face. <laughs> Sounds good. So you're attacking the troll rather yes. than the surge? Sure, yes. my. Make it a name for yourself. Let's do it. 17. That easily hits roll damage. Yo! 1d12. Oh, my. Um, this uh, troll does look somewhat wounded. It, it does have the dwarven warrior's axe lodged in its back. It has yeah, been drained. Drained of its life force by the oh, Sturges. Shit. Eleven points of lightning damage. Wow! So this bolt of arcane energy streaks across the tavern. People's eyes follow it in wonder as it smashes directly into the troll's face. There is yes. a sizzling sound as it sort of bellows and screeches in pain. Yeah, and this is also starts. sustained. What? Oh, fantastic! It's sustained. I, I get to keep. I, it keeps going for a minute. As long as you maintain the concentration and yes. use your action yes. to trigger it. Yes. That's so cool. Top of the round, Mark's turn. I'd like to talk to you about a little cantrip I have. Yes. Tom? It's called Produce Flame. Produce Flame, you say? Yeah. I'm confused um, about what this spell does. Well, what it does is it creates fire in my hand that I can then throw at someone for 1d8 fire damage. Wow. As a spell attack. That'll do it. Oh. Logically named, 10. Creatively named, 1. Yeah. Well, look, it does what it says on the 10. I don't know what yeah. you're looking for. It's a cantrip, Nick. I can do it whenever. It's not exactly like Firebolt. It's just sort of like, ha. Yeah. yeah. It's not like Mordecai and came up with it or anything and felt the yeah. need to label it. Oh my god, what is with these fours? That die didn't roll at all. Oh yeah, sorry. Kind of slammed four. Yeah, it just kind of dropped on a four and was like, there, that's what you get. So I'm guessing an eight doesn't hit the troll. It does not, unfortunately. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Actually, does he have advantage given the proximity of the torch thing before? Actually, yeah. I'll, I'll, definitely, I'll definitely do that, for sure. Alright, this time, die, roll, please. Oh. Two, worse. That's okay. Yeah. Look, the... F- the no, fire, no, no, this one needs to learn. The fire, the, the fire soars across and misses the troll's head narrowly before descending down into the pit. And you can see it lighting in the way. Nadia, it looks really eerie to you because you see this flame just descend, descend, descend down the hole. And so you can see it all just how, disappear. how far down it goes. And then you see the corpses at the bottom. That is a good turn, though, otherwise. So that is now next turn. I will, if there is a lantern on the table, Yep. I will simply... Slowly keeping an eye on the troll, uh, mm-hmm. dip the tip of my arrow in the oil, okay. knock it, and fire at it. Cool, do that. Uh, to try and hit it with a flaming arrow, essentially. Absolutely. Oh yeah, so that's a 20 to hit, unnatural. Yep, that'll do, that'll that hit. Is, that is a sneak. That is a sound hit. Um, that's 10 to 13 damage. Nice. What it will do though, is, is it'll, make it, it'll make like, I don't know, one of that damage fire damage, so mm-hmm. that it won't get its regeneration. So yeah. the, the arrow sticks into it. And hisses and it screams in pain. It just bellows like a, a okay. wounded animal. 
Fantastic. Nadia, you stand on top of the chandelier mm. with a sturge flapping in your face. Mm. It's four wings and it's a little proboscis going. I might have to try to. Well, first of all, proboscis. Proboscis, sorry. That, that's horrifying. Um, I feel like either I could attack it or one thing I'd like to do, but I feel like it would take maybe two turns, is to try to grab like the chain or whatever it is that's going, you know, that's winching up and down the, the hole and try to kind of bring it around and almost trip him up. Oh, okay. So like... at style. So get to the winch, basically. Yeah. So from here... Yep. Pop over here. Mm-hmm. I don't know how doable this is. Like you, let me know. No, that's okay. Grab the the chain and then come all the way around here. Actually, you'd have to deal with the fact that there is a bucket on the other end of it with like three people in it. No, mm. I think they're dead. They're no, gone. No, oh, they're they're dead. Been, that's, that's been raised back up. That's oh, fine. They okay. went down. The troll ate them, and now he's come back. So up you can swing. Oh, so okay. you can use either the winch or even just lean down. Oh, uh, maybe even the bucket. Just swing the bucket. Thinking about the, the bucket. Yeah. Okay. So that's going to be less work for me. So basically, just tr- get in, almost in the bucket, oh. assuming it's up at the top, and then kind of try to swing back and forward and see if I can knock him. That's so cool. Okay. So what you want to do is you you want to jump down into the bucket yep. and try to use that momentum of you landing in it to sort of swing the bucket towards yeah, the troll. absolutely. Like deliberately landing on the side, scrambling down that way. Okay, great. I'll, I'll even allow you to use acrobatics for that. That's cool. a very, very Errol Flynn. Yes. Nice. So, 19. Fantastic. So that works perfectly. So you you land in the bucket and it swings. It's huge. Because, you know, the bucket itself is about 10 feet across, right? So you smash this huge, heavy iron-braced wooden bucket into the back of the troll. Mm-hmm. Uh, roll uh, a dead... I reckon a d10 plus whatever your strength mod is. Well, nine, minus one in strength. Not my strongest suit. But still. <laughs> Six. So, it works perfectly. The bucket is cracked on the side as it smashes into the troll and knocks it forward. It lurches and its hand rips out to tear a table in, in, in half to try to steady itself. It is then Durin's turn. Durin is going to unleash all manner of hell on the troll. With his four attacks with his greatsword, uh, he just slice slice because he wounded it so much already between all of you he makes short work of it uh it was it didn't heal in its turn and so basically it's just snicker snack its limbs fly off its head flies off and then with a dramatic flourish he kicks the the rest of the body down Mm. as the head still sits there animated and uh and and chomping on nothing the surge the sturges plummet down to the ground there are still of course two surges here oh and nadia when you left the proximity of the sturge up there you should have received an attack of opportunity as yes it, as it flies down tr- trying to trying to hit you and this one will hit would you please go ahead and take five damage it sticks into the back of your shoulder and it is now attached to you sucking your blood oh. that is not good yep. so that then is going to be yeah. all right so the sturge that's on jez jez just make sure i get the name right who's now swinging back and forward in the bucket Alright, hmm, that's gonna be a heck of a shot. If you bless me, I can probably make it. This is fair. Probably the easiest way to do it then. Alright, excellent. In which case, I'll tap you on the shoulder, uh, taking guidance off you, transferring it to you, and pointing where Char. Sturges. Yeah, <laughs> latch onto, uh, latch onto Jez. That'll be my turn. Fantastic. Alright then. Perfect. Uh, that is then going to be Mark's turn. I'll produce more flame and throw it at one of the Sturges. Perfect. The one that's nearest to me. Conjuring a ball of flame in your hand, yep. you hurl it at the flapping beast. Oi. <laughs> yeah, it's learning. All right, yeah. That, that D20 <laughs> can misses, go away. It misses comically and sets yeah. fire to the new plate of food that the dwarf has obtained in the meantime. 
Uh, he has now set up. We are being attacked by monsters, and it's getting and the dwarves getting food. The dwarf hey, has only got itself to blame. He lives. He comes from the underdark. He's used to this nonsense. Speaking yeah. of things to blame, this guy that rolled four two, well four four two one. <laughs> you set fire to the. You set fire to the dwarves' teeth. You set fire to the dwarf's table once more with his new plate of food, which he just... Oh, come on now! I will cast Firebolt, and I will cast it at... Now, there's one that's on Nadia. Mm-hmm. If that one could be dead before it gets a turn again, on doing sort of in 10 me. hit points, that'd be great. On and in. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually, that's true. In and about. Hmm. They've already acted, though, this turn. Yes. I, plan, yeah. Yeah, I plan to shoot the one off uh, Nadia, off Jazz. But, but yeah, just okay. in case. Doesn't hurt. I'll go for this one, then. Okay. That's fine. And one of the more immediate. 13. Uh, so that oh, sorry, I'm um, 12. Sorry. No, that'll miss. Shit. All right. I'm sorry. Okay. It's close. It's close. <laughs> the fireball whistles by, but then once again sets fire to the dwarf's other God food table. No, <laughs> so it uh, sets fire to a completely separate table, which thankfully is uh, occupied by people who are running and screaming rather than enjoying Trying the food. Trying to eat their food, yeah. In the middle of a monster attack. Yep. That is then going to be new round, Nick. Right. Something either way to dislodge it using an acrobatics check so that I can get the ability of your uh, guidance or I could just make an attack. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the problem would be getting there, right? So, I mean... But like throwing something at it. Not to damage it. But that, that is a ranged attack. Oh, okay. That's the problem. Yeah, go with Not it. Not a maneuver. All right. Attack. I'll roll. Just, yeah, just give it a go. I hope I roll high. Yep, 20. As I shoot it off Jez's back. Fantastic. Your minimum damage will kill it because they only have two hit points. So mm. the crossbow bolt just... And Nadia, it is a very disconcerting uh, feeling to have you yourself splattered with your own blood that it had sucked Ugh. out of your body. So yeah. there is, an, there is a, like a popped water balloon. This thing explodes Don't on your... Don't get any of my hit points back. Like a popped water balloon. All of a sudden Ew. you are covered in your own and blood as, and the sturge. For, and the, not just your blood, but others as well. As it, Your um, blood. Maybe if you drink that, I'll help you regenerate. If you, if, as the bucket rotates, you look to me I don't know if you pull an angry face at me for me shooting this thing off your back or if you're kind of happy like, I did it you can't really tell my expression a, through the blood I will just, <laughs> you assume I'll, it's negative I'll though. just give a little shrug and cock an eyebrow like uh. seem like the thing to do sister fantastic so okay so so that one is a, that, that is oh sorry Yangra missed a turn and she has that one attached to her back so she is going to take a turn to smush its face yeah so that works out well so in her drunken stupor she leans forward uh, she she just essentially grabs uh, a iron tankard from the table and then just over her shoulder just smashes and splats this thing like an overly ripe pimple and it's it once again explodes on her back sending her own blood splattering all over her as well. All right, pathology, everybody, now. (laughs) The fight has ended. You are victorious. And everyone starts to calm down. And what's really funny is, because this tavern is this tavern, everyone was all excitable and running and screaming and looking like nothing else has happened. People just start to go about clean up. They write tables and chairs. They all sit down and start to talk excitedly about what went on. Duran comes over to you, Mm -hmm. uh, in, in particular, Ben. Well, that was mighty impressive. Your group is uh, certainly going to earn themselves a reputation soon. Hopefully not for flambeing dwarven food. No, that's fine. I'll compensate him. He's a grumpy old sub, but I'll make sure he doesn't hold too much of a grudge. He claps you on, he claps you on the back yep. and sheaths his, uh, sheaths his great sword, and then uh, goes to put it in its usual resting place of just being just under the bar. Well, I'd say that you've earned a free dinner and uh, a round of drinks on me. Round of drinks for everyone for the inconvenience. I'd just rather like a bath first, if, that, that, if that's okay. Right, old lass, can you come out of the barrel, please? 
He walks over to the winch and just kind of lowers it a little bit for you to step off. I hop off delicately, squelching when I hit the ground. From the doorway, you hear... Marvellous! Absolutely marvellous! I cannot express to you how pleased I am at that display. What heroics! What daring do! And who is I, I certainly hope that you are the ones I'm here to see! Staggering forward, you see none other than Voluthant Gadan. Somebody who you all, as adventurers, probably think of like Elvis Presley. Like, he's just oh, a wow. really, really famous, really, really respected author. He's he cool. has written. He's recently written the Volo's Guide to Monsters, oh. which is oh. his new bestseller. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is the most notable, uh, well, what's the word? Um, author traveler. Basically, so he he writes travel guides. He is a middle-aged fellow with a brown beard. There is a art mm-hmm. piece of him dressed in very late Italian oh. Renaissance. He looks very much like sort of a Marco Polo. Archetype. It looks like, like it looks like the beard version of Leonardo da Vinci. Basically, yes. If you picture if you picture a friendly and uh, slightly portly Leonardo da Vinci, that's exactly what you're looking at. Dressed exactly that puffy Renaissance collar, puffy sleeves, slouched soft Renaissance style hat at a jaunty angle, a very pleasant beaming smile, a little under average height, and of course with a huge satchel with scrolls and parchment and maps and cartography tools all uh, draping off him as he's clearly on the way to, to do something of that nature. As he walks over to you, he beams and holds his hands out, and at that point, three strings sidles up next to him, points at you, whispers in his ear, which he, upon which he nods. Dernan, who, <laughs> I don't think I actually described for the recording, but you know, he's a broad-shouldered, sort of ruggedly hard-faced fellow with a really wicked uh, moustache sideburn connecting facial hair Uh combination an iron cleft chin underneath a sort of a ruddy pale skin and uh, you know very very calculating eyes Uh, he also gives him a knowing nod from the bar while he wipes it down Volo walks up to you and takes you leads you into the back into the side booth there for you to sit around your table clandestinely and discuss whatever it is that he would like to uh talk to you about. So, he gestures for you to sit. He sits at the head of the table, leans forward conspiratorially, and says, um, so, first of all, I wanted to thank you ever so much for agreeing to this task. It is of utmost importance that I find people who aren't terribly well known, and those that are uh, trusted by at least some people that I am familiar and acquainted with. That spectacular display uh, was certainly all I needed to trust in your abilities. And uh, no doubt it all fell from, fell from this awful street war that's going on between these rival criminal factions. Well, where were you this whole time? I'm not late. I never gave a specified time. Only night time. And look outside. The moon doth sit high in the sky, fair ah! maiden. <laughs> is he is sitting there with like... Hands on their cheeks, stars in their eyes. Like it's really him. It's really him. <laughs> he says, "But first introductions. My name is Volo Thapgadam. But of course, you knew that already. I knew that. Yes, you did. He says, singling you out. Chronicler, wizard, and of course, celebrity." I trust that you've seen the violence that has racked our fair city over this last ten day or so. Terrible business, of course, and uh, I haven't seen so much blood since I was last in Baldur's Gate. (laughs) Terrible place. Moving on. Um, (laughs) I fear that I have misplaced, and he pauses for a moment, a friend in all this 
odious malevolence. My friend's name is Froon Blagmar, and has got more beauty than brains, I have to say. I worry that he took a bad way home last night, and was waylaid, kidnapped, or worse. I can offer you a substantial sum, 200 gold each, with 20 gold up front, if you agree to track him down with all haste. What say you? May I prevail upon you to aid me in my time of need? Is Izzy Izzy is like like patting their cheeks in excitement (laughs) and just looking around at everyone else going, yeah, 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 yeah. Clearly, clearly some of us are fans here. Yes. Before anyone speaks, actually, what what I should do, to be fair, is give anybody that wants to uh, make a sense motive check to see if he's... Insight? Pardon me, sorry, yes. Insight check to see if uh, they are... He is omitting any details or... Outright lying, whether yeah, he's actually yeah, yeah, yeah. a doppelganger in disguise. Oh, 19. Seven. You have a plus four from me still, in theory. Okay, fantastic. I feel like I should take a disadvantage on this. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that feels like thematically correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I will tell you, Benhurst, yes. that he is definitely leaving out some detail. Yeah, he's, he's clearly uh, uncertain and embarrassed about some part of the tale that he's not forthcoming with. Mm. Does 21 get any further? Oh, yes. So he feels guilty. There's, mm. For some reason, he believes himself to be much more personally responsible than he's letting on for this mm. disappearance. And actually fears the worst for his friend. Hurst just sort of sits upright, takes a long drink of his ale and just says, What aren't you telling us? There's something else. <laughs> he says, I don't know what you could possibly be talking about. I, I, I've told you everything. The man seems quite upset. Perhaps we don't need to press too heavily, but uh, Volo there? Volo? Do you prefer Volo? Volo's fine. Volo. Unless you're in the northeastern section of Halver, in which case it is your majesty. Oh. And nothing less. That was trouble I will not soon repeat. I will have my title from them. Damn it. He slams his fist on the table. Volo for me. It's clear that uh, you're upset if what you say about us is true, that we can be uh, trustworthy. Surely we can be recipients of that trust. There's something that clearly troubles you. You wouldn't lie to a priest now, would you, Volo? It's bad luck. All right, all right, all right. So, <laughs> there was one small detail I may have left out. Uh, the reason that I heartily suspect that he has uh, come to some mischief is because, well, when we were out drinking, we were doing so in a very disreputable establishment. I chose the location for us to indulge in our alcoholic vices because I wanted to have some peace and quiet to work through what I am incredibly embarrassed about, which is writer's block. (gasps) I am still waiting on the funds from, and the royalties for the new book that I am writing, Volo's Guide to Spectres. And unfortunately, I do not have as much experience in the ghostly matters as I may perhaps have thought when taking on the commission to do the book. But it is fine. It's fine. I'll get over it. We all experience writer's block every once in a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is we were in a terrible neighborhood, in a terrible establishment, and I left before he did. And frankly, I feel it's my fault if he's come to some harm. That is the honest truth. And you, with, with 21, I'm just going to tell you that that's 100% yep. legit. There's so nothing where else. was this, so where is this troublesome place? The Skewered Dragon, down on the dock mm-hmm. ward. I have it on good authority that it is owned by the Zentarum, in particular the Manchun faction, as opposed to the Dune Raiders, which are the more, oh, I don't know, 
benevolent of the two. I don't trust either of them as far as I can spit them, but it sells rather good spirits, particularly for somewhere so run down, and most importantly, it's discreet. You don't want to be seen having your riders block in public then. No, I did not want any adoring fans coming and asking me why I was uh, sitting there looking at a blank page. So, if you could begin your search there, I feel you might find some answers. Have you tried not writing in public? Well, I need the ambience. I know. Author. Author, thank you. Literate. <laughs> <laughs> I need the I energy. imagine you can write anyway. I Look. I don't, as a rule, write things down. That's what's called evidence. <laughs> he says, it's <laughs> just sort of nods like, is I you write... taking notes and you're about conspiracy? <laughs> Listen, I write for the people, for the fans. I feed off their energy. Oh, you you understand you put on quite the show with your acrobatics this evening, he says. Turn to Jez. I think he's still Surely that was all the more, your acrobatic insanity was all the more exciting and extreme because of those watching on. No, my brother is more of a showman than I am. <laughs> well, did he swing a gigantic barrel into a troll this evening? No, that is true. That was pretty fucking great. It was pretty fucking great. <laughs> and that's why <laughs> I'm not covered in troll blood right now. I flick some at him. <laughs> I nimbly spoke too soon. <laughs> you look like something cobbled together in a necromancer's layout of random bits of bodies. Well, well you look like that normally, so... Oh, for God's sake. You look like if Hepatitis was a person. Yeah. <laughs> he, 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 he frowns. He frowns at you two and says, I'm terribly sorry for asking, but you wouldn't happen to be the Lock Twins, would you? Our bloody reputation precedes us, literally in this case. Were you the one that were caught by the City Watch three months ago because you <laughs> argued <laughs> because you argued out loud while robbing a bakery? No, that was, that was the, the other, other Lock Twins. twins. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely... <laughs> it was <Wow>. definitely... <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> the other Lock Twins... Oh, I see. It was definitely them. So you're the ones that looked upon with more sympathy than scorn. She has a rare blood-borne disease that causes it to ooze out her pores. Listen, this has been fascinating. But <laughs> <laughs> he reaches into his purse, and you realise it's a, it's, a, it's a purse of holding, because he pours out more gold coins than could fit in a tiny, mm. tiny little leather satchel that he has at his side. Jez tries so hard not to steal it. <laughs> So it tries so hard not to implies that you do. Can, can you make your hand goes out, you pull it back. Can you give me no, a wisdom? No, 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 no. Can you give me a wisdom saving throw? Me? Yeah, against uh, against us, uh, kleptomania. Yeah, seventeen. So okay, um, with a zero. You you subdue your kleptomanic <laughs> tendencies for the time being. He pours out twenty gold coins and puts them in a pile in front of each of you, mm-hmm. and says, "And of course, another tooth, two hundred each, when you find him." Ooh. Well. I'm going to take up this commission. It's basically bar trawling, which is what we were planning on doing today anyway. Except for our wager with fewer trolls involved, I hope. <laughs> he says, well, depends. I've seen some of the patrons there. and Anyway, best of luck. So he stands up and uh, bows. Where dramatic. will we find you to tell you of our success or failure? Oh, I will be back here uh, tomorrow evening. Uh-huh. And what are we meant to do with the possibly drunk friend until then? Oh, uh, very good point. Very good point. Uh, well, if he's Throw drunk, him in the hole? No, very. He, just, 
simply ensure that he is safe and sound. You, you can escort him home, or you can just make sure that he's fine, and uh, uh, who, who knows? Uh, and description, physically? What was he wearing? Oh, oh yes, of course, that might help you. What's his name? <laughs> he says, Sir, as mentioned, his name is Floon Blagmar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a... Forget uh, that anytime soon. A reasonably, uh, uh, well, he's, a, he's a, I suppose, a um, artisan of some repute, a candle maker. But he's a very handsome man. A chandler? Yes. He's a, he is a handsome man. Uh, he has He's clean-shaven. He has uh, shoulder-length, uh, wavy, reddish-brown hair. Uh, normally dressed quite well. Oh, and most importantly, uh, he is a follower of Sunni. While not a priest or cleric himself, he is a religious man and always keeps a holy symbol around his neck. He wears it openly. Is, I would know this, is, does Follow do his own artistic work? For his books? That's a really good... I believe he does. Right, yes. can I... I will ask... Do, no, yes, because, because he's a very skilled ca- cartographer. That's what I thought. So can he, I get him to just quickly sketch? <gasps> yes, he, he sketches both the amulet, because yeah. there's a lot of handsome... The face. ...redhead yeah, young men, and so he, he does that, and, and also his face. And, and it actually, would just be useful to show people. He, he nods, and actually... Actually, using a cantrip, yeah. he'll, he'll do that. He'll, 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 take it. He will use a uh, prestigitation... You know, at least photorealistic. He is, he is yeah. rumoured to be, at, at best, a middling wizard, but he is a wizard, and he... And he Gives that back to you. He uses it to augment his I just, books. And I say to him, do you do caricatures? <laughs> in fact, I do. You know, some of the broadsheets that are animated uh, in the city, the techniques of which to crafting by the printing houses were done by me. So uh, it, she she <laughs> kind of uh, just leans into him and just whispers something in his ear. And uh, she's requested a caricature of her brother. Yes. Um, with really big ears that kind of come out to the side like this. <laughs> Guessing your intent, I will get a random piece of paper, wipe it on the blood on the floor and be like, here's you. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, uh, we can discuss what other extras can be involved in your payment once you are successful. To explain really quickly, though, our broadsheets are basically newspapers because they do have like the equivalent of like the printing press, like the early uh, mm-hmm. printing press. And so there are there are in fact you know copper dreadfuls, and uh, uh, the broadsheets are essentially the news of the day and so forth. And some of them, not all of them, but some of them, including posters, can be Harry Potter style animated nice. using, using some al- magical alchemical ink. He stands up, gives a, a flourish and a bow. He is soon surrounded by a couple of his fans who are just you know. Looking, looking for him, asking for him to draw a map on their arm and such. <laughs> One arrogant guy in the background just goes, "He finished the book. <laughs> finished the book." <laughs> and, he, and he just goes bright red and turns to look at the gentleman. You know what? I'm going to finish it when I'm good and ready. Thank you. He turns Mr. and leaves. <laughs> he turns and leaves, leaving you all alone in the tavern. Uh, no less than three people, including Yagra. So Yagra uh-huh. actually comes from the bar and just gives you all. Uh, she has a, a whole tray of drinks, which mm-hmm. she gives to you. Uh, thanks for that. You really, you really have my back, my back there. Well, of course. It's, appre- it's appreciated. Just as I expect you to have my back next time I come to you in a dispute. Always. Always. You're looking very hard at your sister. <laughs> so he, she looks around and say, at all of you and says, Yeah, so this group of yours, uh, to be honest with you, I was not expecting you to be quite so competent. I've never seen you all in action. Just know there's a place for you in the Doom Raiders if you ever change your mind. The Doom ones. Raiders? Yeah, that's the uh, more benevolent faction of the Zentarum. The ones, the ones that want to go mostly legitimate and sort of private security investment banking. 
I mean, mean to ask you some time about that name. Do you raid places of their doom, or are all of you doomed and also raiders, or are all of your raids just doomed from the outset? What exactly is the meaning of that name? Sounds like a name a noble comes up with because they're trying to sound more impressive than they are. You know what? That's exactly what it sounds. She points and says, "She's sort of like I'm an adventurer now, Dad." (laughs) She she points at you and says, "You know what? I think that's exactly where it came from." Well, let's listen. I'm not in the marketing department, right? I'm more in the... Um, um, dooming department? The dooming department. I just go where I'm told. I guard what I'm told to guard. I hit who I'm to- told mm, to Your hit. KPIs of doom are a bit under this month. Uh, let's try to <laughs> bring that up a little bit, shall we? Curses, foreboding places. Anyway, thanks. And while for stance. And she turns and moves. So, that's it. You are all alone in the tavern, in the, in the corner. I don't quite see the appeal... Clearly you do, says turning to the gnome. He's amazing! What about him is amazing? So cool! <laughs> okay. Start yeah, so that's about as coherent as they're getting. He's, they're, they're like sitting in the chair, just like swinging their feet, just... Got, they've got this like kind of quirk where they pat their cheeks when they're excited. Oh, that's adorable. What an adorable little gnome you are. I will take it's out... Like, ah! <laughs> a rather expensive silk handkerchief from my waistcoat, and I shall offer it to Jez. <laughs> what she does instead is she poo-poo's the napkin, and she just grabs the closest bottle of uh, or uh, mug of ale and just upends it over <laughs> herself, and just starts kind of washing off the the blood from her from her arms and face, and then grabs a uh, oh, just like my college the days. bartender throws her a cloth, and then she just starts the college of what. You know, Brushing herself off, so she looks moderately okay. Nice. Bonnie, who of course is the barmaid, so she's young, she's got sort of like, you know, uh, sort of strawberry blonde hair and uh, a pleasant, uh, friendly face, just currently dressed in, you know, simple brown, uh, simple brown dress as she's mopping up the blood from the incident right now. Mm-hmm. As she moves past your table, she leans into you, Hurst, and says, uh, um, hey, do you have like a, do you have a wizard or someone that can maybe do some prestigitation on my broom? Just to Help me out halfway through this. Hey. Because you can clean with that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, squeaky. Or is that men? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you can, you can clean and dirty things. Yeah, yes, you're right. It's yes. a square. So for, so for a, uh, a, yep. a, a mop, a blood-soaked mop, it would actually be pretty damn useful. No worries if not. Just let it ask. That's uh, squeaky. It should be able to do it once, <coughs> uh, once they've, they've calmed down from uh, whatever it was that just happened. She says, no. Hey, my good soul. Would you... Be so kind, and it extends the broom. I don't think I have it. That's okay. Really? No, I do not. Prestigitation. No, that's right. That's cool. No problem at all. Sorry, I can't help you. Hey, no worries. Could use a bit more elbow elbow grease here anyway. She just starts to mop and continues on and says, uh, Oh, by the way, thanks for making sure no one died. That was great. And just walks on. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. All right, then. So what do you do? I think if we're trying to find someone, we better go before the trail goes cold. Then we head over there immediately. We have a likeness, we have an image, we can pursue our own paths of investigation once there. For example, uh, you all know what I mean by that, so yeah. yeah. Sounds good. We have a you fair idea of each other's strengths and weaknesses and whatnot, so mm-hmm. yeah. Well then, am I to take it that you are going to pack up and head off on into the night? Once we finish the drinks and the dinner. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. You... But- <laughs> you enjoy both. Perhaps you hurry a little bit, but soon you are off and about. You leave the tap and into the dark Waterhavian night, which, by the way, is beset with fog. The scene. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to Shared Sagas. 
All music on the show is used under Creative Commons. Check the episode notes for full details.